So Love What I Love now has a Facebook group called Love What I Love Movie Club. And we'd love for all of you listeners to join. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. You can share your ideas on episodes. Um, so if you have any specific thoughts on things we say, we can start a discussion. We also like to just have little fun like polls and trivia based on our upcoming episodes. And then even little things like if you guys have your own best worsts, if you want to come up with one that we couldn't think of. If there's anything you want to correct us on, because I'm sure we've made some mistakes on, on facts in oh, the past. Oh, I am sure I have. So Yeah, I'm pretty <laughs> sure on the Cinderella episode, you said it came out in 1977. Yep. So. <laughs> oh, man. Um, I forgot But to yeah, I think it's a, it's a, be a fun place for the fans to gather and just, uh, you know, say hi, you know, and just really just share your love for movies and things like that. Exactly that, that too. Because at the end of the day, we're all movie fans. So, you know, drop yeah. us a line. Yeah. And we can, you know, we can always take recommendations for future episodes. Obviously, it's a little hard because it has to be something one of us already loves. But maybe it's something we never thought about. You know, mm-hmm. maybe you'll mention a movie. I'll be like, oh, I never, never fucking, that's a good idea. <laughs> so, yeah, Love What yeah. I Love Movie Club on Facebook.com. Okay. People know it's .com. Okay, sorry. www.facebook.com. Oh Jesus Christ. Okay. You might need <laughs> HTTP forward slash before that. <sighs> Thanks for tuning in. This is Love What I Love, a podcast where we beg our partner to love something we do, whether it be a movie, TV show, or anything in between. We're your hosts, Masha and Andy. And this week, we're talking about Spirited Away. very special episode of love what i love for two reasons one it's our 10th episode double digits hello (laughs) and two we have two guests on our show today yeah not just one two whole guests two whole guests we have kayleen and tyler hello there you guys (laughs) you sound so excited to be here I'm so nervous. <laughs> Don't worry. Well, thank our, you for our, having us on your podcast. Our one dozen fans are all listening. So, <laughs> Kayleen is my very good childhood friend, and Tyler's her boyfriend. Hey. <laughs> wow, that's embarrassing <laughs> for me. <laughs> but anyway, so um, yeah, I'm really excited to have Kayleen and Tyler on the show. Well, thank you for having us. I'm very excited to do this with you guys and it's also my first podcast so please be nice <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah you will be awesome so Kayleen is actually going to lead this episode in talking about Spirited Away yeah she's already she's already had Tyler go through the love what I love treatment before we before <laughs> this podcast even existed by showing him this movie but uh, I think Tyler's going to be doing a rewatch on this one so and giving us his thoughts. It might have been a little forced love what I loved or love what I love, but we'll see. So I guess just let the audience know a little bit about yourselves. I have known Masha since middle school. I think I stole her food during lunchtime and that's how we became friends, even though... I was stealing her food. So if that yeah. doesn't show you what kind of a person Masha is, I don't know what else will. Yes, the memories. 
And I'll just say, just to add on to the food thing, though I was very frustrated at first that Kayleen kept stealing my food. I don't know. For some reason, <laughs> I, I don't know when it happened, but I was just like, all right, if I just accept it, let's see where this goes. <laughs> and here well, we are. But then we into took French class together. Oh, yes. I think that's when our relationship really blossomed. Also, stealing food, kind of foreshadowing uh, some of the beginning scenes in Spirited yeah. Away. Right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, Interest you, in food. You don't, want, you don't want to turn into a, <laughs> a big monster. <laughs> Um, so what excited me about having you guys on is because obviously the structure of our show is that we're a couple kind of diving into these movies and sharing them with each other. So I thought it would only be fitting to have a couple as our first guest as well, instead of just a single person. Um, so how long have you guys been together? I, well, I can see Kayleen counting on her fingers right now. So it's clear she doesn't know. Eight years? Well, I actually know. It was eight years in March. It's almost eight and a half. (laughs) We've been together for eight years. But who's been counting? But I could have not, actually. Not I haven't been. I counted <laughs> on my fingers just now. I probably showed him this movie pretty early on in our relationship. So I will be interested in hearing what he has to say now that he doesn't have to worry about impressing me. <laughs> <laughs> and like I know for a fact, the first time you would have showed me this movie. And I, I'm sure I said I liked it, but I'm sure I didn't really go into much detail as to why I liked it. I probably just said, yeah, it was neat and left it at that. Nice. <laughs> yeah, I mean, eight years into a relationship. I mean, we're five years, so I, I you know, you get you get a lot more open with each other <laughs> over time. Exactly. And yeah, like you said, no one's, no one's trying to impress anybody, so you can just be as honest as you want. <laughs> that is so cool. Um, Sweet. With that, Kayleen, I'll let you take it away. All right. Well, Spirited Away is an animated movie written and directed by Hayao Miyazaki. It's animated by Studio Ghibli and released in 2001 in Japan and 2003 in the U.S. The story follows a young girl, Chihiro, who is moving to a new neighborhood with her parents when she accidentally enters into the spirit world. And then her parents are turned into pigs. She takes a job working in the spirit world bathhouse as she tries to find a way to free herself and her parents and return to the human world. That was great. Was it? (laughs) (laughs) What? That's what I ran down. (laughs) Um, For a second there, I thought you said pants turned into pigs. I was kind of concerned. Oh, man. I'm like, what what version did you watch? That could have happened and we would have been like, oh yeah, well, whatever. (laughs) This is the most successful film to ever come out of Japan. The budget for it was 1.9 billion yen, which is 15 million US dollars. So a 15 million US dollar budget. And at the time, Walt Disney Studios had just started entering into their deal with Tokuma Company, which is the publishing company that releases Studio Ghibli's work. Mm-hmm. And we're working together to try and bring um, a bunch of Miyazaki's films into the US for distribution. And as a part of that contract, they had agreed to finance about 10% of Spirited Away's production costs. So they agreed to finance about $1.5 million. Whoa. So Spirited Away made... 235 million dollars 
domestically. So only in Japan, when they released it, it made $235 million. So it was like a wild success for them. I think that makes sense to me because I can't think of another movie since then that like took everything by storm over here as well. Because I remember, like I was 13 in 2003 and I fully remember the marketing for this movie. It was everywhere. And I'd never heard of Hal Miyazaki beforehand, so I can totally believe that this is the most successful movie to come out of Japan. Like, maybe Godzilla, but, like, that that would be a whole series, not a single movie. Yeah. And also, like, remember, it made $235 million in Japan. Japan, like, doesn't have as many movie theaters as there is, like, in the U.S., like, oh yeah i mean it, it's a that's like a crazy amount of money for them like previously the record was i think like 200 million and that was held by titanic oh yeah and that, that's not even yeah that, that came out of america into japan so this was exactly wasn't a... yeah it won the highest honor in the 52nd berlin international film festival the golden bear um, at the time, that was really controversial because they were like, animated films, like, how can you be winning, like, such a prestigious award? Ugh, um, it won Best Picture and a Lifetime Achievement Award at the Japanese Academy Awards. And then in the Hong Kong Film Awards, Spirited Away won Best Asian Film. So it went up against uh, other countries like South Korea, China, and Taiwan. That's awesome. So, wow. A wildly successful and popular film, at least in Asia, without a doubt, and then in Japan. And then they slowly kind of transitioned into America, which I'll kind of talk about because it's kind of interesting. So before we talk about the movie, what did you guys know like about this film? I mean, I'm just going to get out of the way. I knew absolutely nothing. <laughs> so <laughs> pretty short. That's but it. you've watched like other Studio Ghibli films before, right? Because we watched one in Japanese class. I was going to ask you if we watched this movie in Japanese class. Be- no, because- we watched My Neighbor Totoro. Uh, I knew that was going to be it. I was about to guess that one. Yeah, so just for everybody, you know, Kayleen and I went to high school together. We took Japanese in high school, so that's why. I still think that's so cool your high school offered Japanese. Yeah, I think right? that's really unique. We had, you know, the four mate. We had Spanish, Italian, German, and French, and that was that was it. Yeah. I was trying to read some of the Japanese I could read, <laughs> like, during the <laughs> credits. I was like, wow, I don't remember. But what was hilarious in the beginning, It's it was the Studio Ghibli logo, and it was in Japanese and then English. And Masha was struggling so hard to read the Japanese, but she never looked down at the English. So she was just like, don't. I think that last thing might be Blee. And I was like, yeah, it's a Studio Ghibli. It says it right there. <laughs> I wasn't. Whatever. Cool. So we didn't watch this. But yeah, I didn't know anything coming in. Uh, you, but the music sounded very familiar to me. So I don't know how, but. You also said when I loaded it up, you said, uh, like, oh, I, I recognize that artwork. Yeah. So I think that just good, that stands for how popular it was in America because she even remembers the artwork without ever thinking that she saw the movie. Yeah. That artwork is also the artwork of my neighbor Totoro. Like, that is Totoro. Uh, yeah, That's, the, like, the, the face of their verse. company. Uh, I see. Okay, that makes sense. How about you? Cool. So, for me, uh, this actually this wasn't technically my first time seeing this, but I saw it once when it came out in America in 2000, would you say, three? Yes. Yeah, 2003. So, yeah, I would, I would have been 13. And I, so, like, I remember all the advertising for it. Me at that age, I wasn't crazy about seeking out animated movies because i mean 
all people are different, but I was the kind of 13-year-old boy who did anything he could to act like I didn't like childish things. So those were the ages where I refused to, to like cartoons because I thought that's what kids liked. But cool, man. my oldest brother, I remember he, he knew all about Studio Ghibli, just I don't know how, but he is 13 years older than me. So, you know, he was around when a lot of the more famous ones were coming out. So he, he was the one who told me about it and we rented it from a probably blockbuster at the time. And so I watched it and I remember really liking it. And from there I went on, I watched a couple other ones. I've seen Castle in the Sky. I've seen Princess Mononoke. And I've seen my neighbor Totoro, but that was pretty much it. But I never revisited it, so this is my first time. So I had forgotten almost everything. Like, basically only imagery stood out to me, and I didn't remember anything plot-wise. But I was thinking, when we started it, I was like, I wonder if this movie confused the hell out of me just because I was 13 and I didn't know any better. But then we started watching it, and I was like, no, I'm still pretty confused. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, it has nothing to do with how old I am. Um, but yeah, that, so that was it. So I saw it once, it was, you know, 17 years ago, um, and I liked it, but it never, it wasn't one that I bought and watched over and over again. How about you, Tyler? Yeah, I think I'm in the same boat as Andy. I I think early on in me and Killian's relationship, we watched it, and I had since forgotten everything to do with it. <laughs> uh, I couldn't have told you a, a single character's name or anything like that. And then in terms of my experience with Studio Ghibli, I've seen My Neighbor Totoro two or three times before this, so I was familiar with the artwork, and it looks like a Studio Ghibli film. But in terms of spirited away i couldn't remember anything even like even watching the movie i wasn't even like wow this rings a bell or anything like that <laughs> so, so, for, for all intents and purposes it was totally new to me i don't know how you guys feel but for me subbed is a hundred percent the way to go versus dubbed because like oftentimes when you hear someone like talking over like someone else and they're speaking a different language like it looks somewhat delayed or like it's supposed to be someone really excitedly saying something and their thing is like yes I would like to do that or like <laughs> it, it just <laughs> no. never works out like the way it is and I feel like watching it like organically even though you have to read like subtitles is like the way to go yeah no I, I'm totally in the same boat as you I've always I've been arguing the subs versus dubs forever and I'm always <laughs> on the subtitles thing uh, I will say it's way worse in live action because that's where you get a lot of what you were just talking Ooh. about because they, yeah. they never do it well in live action. And they also, in my opinion, whenever I see it, they, they seem to cheap out and just get like kind of like real low tier actors to do it when they do do the dubs. So it's never it's never as good. And also it's just even if you can't understand the language, a lot of acting is like your tone, your inflection, kind of the yeah. way you say things. So I, I still think it's you're kind of just taking away a lot from an actor and kind of like kind of like stepping on their art a little bit by dubbing them over. Watch out. You're on our home ground now. I couldn't give a shit who this area belongs to. Where I am always belongs to me. Well, then maybe I'd like to find out if that's the truth. Hit me. I will say, though, I think I've watched Castle in the Sky because I have that on DVD, so I've watched it both ways. And I, when they do do the studio... Also, I don't, I don't know if it's Ghibli or Ghibli. I, I never know how to say it. I don't know how to pronounce anything. So okay, cool. So we're just going to say all of them angry. all throughout this episode. Yeah. But um, I will say they do put some money in to get actually good actors. Like, I know Castle in the Sky, like Mark Hamill plays the the bad guy. Uh, I think, like, maybe like James Vanderbeek or someone who was popular at the time is the main oh, character. So. Uh, so they do do a good, pretty good job. And it's less noticeable in animation than it is in live action. But 
regardless of all that, I'm always about reading the subtitles when I watch a foreign language movie. Even in English, do you guys put subtitles on your movies? Uh, Sometimes. I I'll put it on if it's a really dense movie. If I'm watching like like I don't I don't know why it popped in my head, but Zodiac by David Fincher. It's like this like three hour movie where the dialogue really matters. Mm-hmm. I'll put it on, but I have a strict rule uh, that thankfully Masha also kind of agrees with. Where if, it, if it's comedy, we don't do subtitles because I think it steps on the jokes. Because when you can read the punchline ahead of time, I think it kind of ruins the, the way comedy hits. So if we're watching like a sitcom or even a comedy movie, I don't I don't like subtitles. I like to hear jokes come out naturally. That is funny because I have to put on subtitles because I have such a hard time just knowing what people are saying. <laughs> <laughs> I have a hard time listening to people. Yeah, and trans- <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> And I'm just like, wait, what did they just say? And then they're already moving on to the next thing. And then I'm like so confused. And oh, no. Just... I'm with you. Like, when I watch something like like Better Call Saul, I love that show. I got to have subtitles on. They're always whispering or something oh. important. Sometimes it's just like so fast. Like, exactly. Like, I'm just not that smart. Like, <laughs> But that being said, like, even though I totally agree sub is the way to go, I think because uh Miyazaki was he was so hesitant on publishing like his movies internationally and releasing them internationally that um the way Disney released it and the way Disney uh dubbed it into English I thought they put a lot of care into it Mm -hmm. so the way and I know we didn't watch the dubbed version but the way that happened was because of a Pixar animator, John Lasseter. Oh, yeah. He was but... like a friend and a f- huge fan of Miyazaki. And he's the one who convinced uh, Walt Disney to buy like the North American distribution rights. Oh, and wow. he served as executive producer for like the English dubbed version. Nice. And That's I think awesome. it worked out really well. He um, actually created Toy Story. Yep. He uh, was actually inspired by Miyazaki and then came, went back to America and Pixar was like, I have a great idea. Here's Toy Story, which was a wild success. Obviously. And then he's also responsible for the Cars franchise. Nice, nice. So he knows the intent behind animation and like actually took a lot of care into the translation and characters. So the voice actor in English for Chihiro um, is a girl named, I'm going to pronounce this incorrectly, Davi Chase, but she's the Lilo and Stitch voice actor, which was oh, at the yeah. time like a really popular thing. I think I, she, I think I know who she is. Like I know Lilo and Stitch, but I think in general. Yeah, she played Samara in The Ring. That's it. That's why I knew her. Yep. Okay. <laughs> yeah, you got to get to meet through horror movies. Oh, then, then I'll know yeah. right away. Seven days. Seven days? Oh my god, I'm gonna die next Monday? Yes. No, wait, Monday? That would be seven business days. This is seven days starting now. So seven days to this very hour? My watch broke, how am I gonna know the exact hour? Forget hours, this day, seven days from now. But there's a holiday coming up, do you count the holiday as a day? Well, that depends, what holiday? Martin Luther King Day? Then no. Why not? Everybody at work is taking it off. Jesus Christ, lady, I'm giving you seven friggin' days. I can come over there now and kill the shit out of you if you'd rather have that. <laughs> and then Haku was played by James Marsden. Nice. I know James Marsden. Um, which, uh, yeah, I I know who he is too. He was like in a lot of like Disney movies. So he was in um, um, what's that one everybody likes? 
Oh, he's the guy from Westworld. Yeah. What was that live-action Disney movie where... Enchanted. Enchanted, that was it. He's yeah, in that. okay, yeah, yeah. I know him from the X-Men movies. He played Cyclops. Oh, that too. <laughs> nice. But so, like, they didn't choose, like, no-name actors. Like, they took care into, like, choosing who their actors were. And I think that kind of helped make it, like, a good as good as you can get like dubbed version and then on top of that he was really it was really important to Miyazaki but also to John Lasseter about not cutting anything out so I think this movie is like very different from what you might see in another like American kind of movie oh, big so it's very different from like an American like movie so and but they wanted to kind of still preserve that and not like change it for an American audience and kind oh, of show yeah. it. In its, um, in I have a quick question. Format. I don't know if you looked into this, but when it was released in theaters in America, I assume it was the dubbed version that was released in theaters, right? No. Oh, oh the so, dubbed version. Dub, yes, dub, yes, yes, yes. Sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. sorry. I yeah, I was completely... about to say there's no way they spent all that money because I I remember I rented the DVD, so it had both options on it. But um, they're not going to spend that money on that cast and not release it in theaters that way. Yeah. No, absolutely. And I guess I can talk about this now. What's crazy about the release of this movie in America, I have to like scroll down to see my notes. Uh, (laughs) I'm a little bit surprised that you said that you remember the advertising around this movie because it had like a really difficult time getting to like the American like theaters. So like at the time, Disney was even hesitant to release this movie at all because they had um originally released like one single movie from studio ghibli it was a movie prior to this was princess mononoke yeah and like it is princess mononoke for those who don't know is compared to other animation movies at that time was so so different like to disney that movie was like very violent it had like blood yeah i'm pretty sure that one was pg-13 and most Miyazakis aren't, but that one was from what I remember. Yeah, but so like at the time, the most violent thing that happened in an animated movie from Disney, it was Mufasa's death in Lion King. And even that's so, kind of like not off screen. Right. It's like, it's not off yep. screen, but you don't see him like get bloodied up by the exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So they had done Princess Mononoke and like weren't super thrilled about it because this might not be like the type of movie that we want to show kids or whatever. So like when they did Spirited Away, this movie was still, even though there isn't like death per se, right? It is like so different from 2001 animation films. So like there's no, it Disney 2001 animation films, right? So there's like no song and dance film like numbers, right? Like I think 2001 might've been like, beauty and the beast i know lilo and stitch at the time the like lead hero isn't like anything special like she doesn't have like a cool little sidekick that helps her out like she's not like a chosen one bratty and boring and annoying right like um there's people smoking cigarettes in this movie (laughs) there's um there's some blood too I would even say exploring exploring spirits. Like I feel like spirits aren't really a thing that is talked about in in American movies that's not a fantasy or like sci-fi yeah. film. Yep. You know. And then also this film is over 2 hours long. Like what? 
child movie and this is something i'll talk about maybe a little bit like what child movie do you think like can sit for two hours long and watch like a movie right yeah, like, there's very i few. think all the child animated movies that are marketed towards children like weren't that long they're all like pretty short movies so when it was actually released in the u.s like it didn't receive as much promotion as like other movies that disney was like focusing at the time and like those movies include like lilo and stitch and like tuck everlasting and um they were also focused on sweet home alabama which is like a, a live like Reese Witherspoon but they released it with I think Touchstone Productions oh I didn't know that was a Disney Um, project so like not only the promotion like wasn't there but like just the amount of releases that they had in theaters like wasn't there at all so I have like a couple of data points right and this is from release of from like the August September to the end of the year kind of timeline all right so spirited away was opened on september 20th it had 151 screenings yeah that's not a lot all right yep so sweet home alabama was released a week later september 27th and it had 3,313 screenings oh my god yeah like everlasting like another it that's like a child more childish like I think story it's like live action right I think but it's it's more marketed towards children it was released October 11th it had 1468 screenings wow so they really didn't give this movie much yeah like so like it just they didn't release it it was so like weird I think maybe I was just because I mean I was definitely the type of kid who just watched tv way too much so I think maybe I was just watching so much TV that to <laughs> me it seemed like it was heavily marketed, so wow. my memory might be tainted. <laughs> I love this data, Kayleen. This is awesome. Oh. <laughs> the inner engineer in her coming out, right? <laughs> <laughs> but, so, I mean, it was very popular for, like, the film critics, and, like, the Rotten Tomatoes were really high, like, the rating oh, was really that. high, um, up to the point a really vocal critic from the New York Daily News Jack Matthews ended up calling a business chairman, Richard Cook, to kind of discuss, like, why are you doing it like this and asking for a re-release. And Disney essentially came back and said, yeah, we have a budget for a re-release for maybe like a thousand more screenings uh, if you were able to make it into several of the critics' top ten lists and then also maybe garner a oscar nomination wow um which kind of is unfair like how are people going to watch it how are people going to know about it to be able to make it onto the list which kind of follows into the oscar nomination right yeah it's like a it's like a whole circular thing it's like how do you get into the list without getting screened but you can't get screened without getting on the list yeah (laughs) but like like 150 showings in the u.s like me growing up in New Hampshire, like, what are the chances, like, one of my tiny New Hampshire theaters are actually going to get, like, one of these screenings, you know? Like, I probably didn't have any theater within, like, 50 miles of me that was showing it growing up. But spoiler alert, oh, spoiler alert, it was wildly successful. It was on a lot of top 10 lists, and it won the Oscar that year. It didn't just get the nomination, it actually won it. Um, I think it was the year, because... 
well, not the year, it was a couple of years, because 2000 was when Crouching Tiger, like, swept all the awards in America. So I think, like, now we're finally, in 20, 2019 is when something like Parasite could win Best Picture, but I really think Crouching Tiger kind of started that trend of, like, looking at foreign films at the same level as we look at American films mm-hmm. in terms of awards. So I think this is probably the next step in that link up to Parasite winning, finally. So, Kayleen, why did you choose... I, I want to know, like, your connection to Spirited Away. <laughs> to be perfectly honest, I do not remember watching this movie for the first <laughs> I, time. Do you, have, <laughs> do you have, like, a guess at how old you were? I have no idea. Yeah. Do, you, um, do you remember your and first... And I'm also not a serial re-wa- movie rewatcher. So, I didn't know coming into this if I was going to like it again, to be perfectly honest. Um, But, like, obviously, for some reason, it's, like, drawing me in time and time again. It might be just really nostalgic for me. I don't know. Um, At the end of, like, it might just be, like, that feeling at the end of the movie that I get where, like, I told this to Tyler at the end of the movie. I was like, it's a happy ending. Like, I won't deny that, but I feel, like, sad. Like I feel like melancholy at the end right. of it. We'll, we'll talk about that as we as when we get to that, like towards the end spoiler section. But I I think we share similar sentiments. Yeah. So I, okay. Um, and it's that that's like so like I don't feel that very often from watching a movie. Emotions. That might be. Yeah. I, no. I, yeah. I know. Like I mean, I feel like in American movies or like even when I was taught like how to write like in English, it's like what's the purpose of each line that you're writing like what is that driving next like what's the next thing that's driving it to right whereas like this one and I'm quoting someone here because I would never be able to articulate this properly but like this one in particular like the hero is left to contemplate his own existence against the backdrop of a beautiful image like it's I feel like American movies are so quick on a scene to scene to scene there's no rest there's always action there's always some sort of purpose but I don't think that's the purpose of this movie Mm -hmm. and I think that is what's driving like my feelings at the end of the whole movie dang that's deep awesome (laughs) well I had to like think about it a lot because in this outline I was like why do I like this movie I was like I don't know like (laughs) I feel a little bit sad at the end but like that's kind of why I like it too. So, well, you like it or do you love it? <laughs> well, I didn't know if I was gonna love it when I first watched it, like earlier this week. To be perfectly honest, and I have a couple of reasons where I thought maybe I could convince you guys as to why you might want to like this movie. For Andy, I thought maybe just the attention of detail that Miyazaki has, like that he has given to this movie like this is a hand-drawn animated film I think I read somewhere it was like the only parts that were really computer generated and animated was like um the dragon scene at the end yeah yeah it seemed a couple of times to me uh like when there was a lot of real fast moving motion like the car in the beginning driving real fast through the trees that looked like for a moment a quick computer animated, but it looked like they used it very sparingly. It's, like only when so they needed to. I don't even think I don't even think that's computer animated. That's like, awesome if it's not. I think like it's it like I did the calculation. It is one hundred and seventy-eight thousand five hundred and sixty frames 
that Jeez. his and Miyazaki and his uh like animators like literally drew which That's is like crazy. crazy and if you also think about like there are like longer scenes that like kind of get you have like someone moving across the screen that takes a lot more effort than if you were jumping from one thing to another to another because you have to worry about like continuity yep right like it doesn't matter that it's harder to draw for him like he's gonna keep it in there like he doesn't take like those shortcuts like the background detailing like is unreal there's like uh those like little soot balls those are all hand drawn each one is different yeah like you don't have to do that right they're just little soot balls they're black and have a little fuzzy outline but all of those like they're probably hundreds in one frame right are hand drawn over and over and over again yeah, it's. it's yeah. Awesome. I mean, if that's what you thought was gonna appeal to me, you were definitely right. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I was just staring in awe. After, like even we were like f- four minutes in, and I was like, "How is this?" They were just in the car. The family was just driving. It wasn't even a fancy scene, and I was like, "Look, at this is popping so good. The colors are amazing. Yeah. Everything's so defined." Like so, yeah. And then for Masha, I uh, thought that you might like the movie because <laughs> because um. There's to me there's no outright villain. You can the, anyone that might have seemed like scary or a potential villain at the beginning of the movie or when you first meet the character, you end up like learning a lot more about them. And it kind of reminds you that people are complex, people are multifaceted. It kind of reminds you like how children might be scared of something, but once they learn more about it, it's like just a part of life it is life like if you don't know something it's scary but once you learn more about it it's perfectly normal people are absolutely once you get the courage to like confront it and actually like (laughs) get to know it yourself yeah Yeah. i think chihiro is really courageous in this movie yeah yeah i i like that a lot i i like that there wasn't like a villain per se like it wasn't like scary. I thought it was gonna get like pretty scary, honestly. Um, and it had like a lot of like ups and downs and stuff. Uh, but yeah, I did. I did like that, and I appreciated the animation too, honestly. Nice. Um, and there were a lot of like cute characters, which I appreciated. So you should have seen like when we were, I was watching it with Andy. I was like, oh, oh, he was getting annoyed. <laughs> <laughs> And then I didn't have anything for Tyler because I knew he had seen it before. Just... <laughs> no love. The, the first time you made me watch it, did you think I would like it? Um, I don't know. I I probably wasn't super concerned about you liking it. It was more <laughs> just like I wanted to share something with you that I liked. Aww. So um, a, the last thing I kind of maybe want to bring up about this movie before we discuss I guess more about the movie um (laughs) is how Miyazaki was inspired to even make this movie oh yeah go for it so he was on vacation he was technically like in quotes retired if you don't know anything about Miyazaki he retires for like a couple years and then comes back and works for like seven years and then retires for a couple years he's like a serial like passion project becomes a huge I don't blame any like master animator for taking time off because it's it's probably years to make a movie like this like I also think 
we should adopt that lifestyle, like in general. <laughs> <laughs> so this movie took two years to like draw, and like the last six months, I don't know if I. I don't know. I don't remember. Okay, the last six months, he had to, because they were on an actual deadline with Disney, he had to, I think, hire something like 20 more animators just for the last six months because they were so far behind. So he was on vacation. He was with, I think, like, what, someone who ended up being, like, a director for this movie, but that director had brought, like, his uh, his daughter and they were all like vacationing together in a house like in the mountains. And he was like watching this daughter and he was like, wow, she is a really apathetic 10 year old girl. Like, I think what you would normally imagine, like what a preteen girl is, like someone who is like apathetic, like so bored with life, like no one really understands me kind of like girl, right? Like. And she, uh, I think, was really just normal. And Miyazaki was like, oh, I wonder what sort of media is uh, presented to, like, these kind of, this generation. And he had read a couple of manga that was, which is, like, comic books, uh, which was marketed towards them. And he thought that they were, like, all of them were all like romantically driven and had like such little substance. And he was like, I want to make something for someone who is normal, for someone who is like for these kind of girls. So that's how he that's got cool. inspired to make this movie. Like from that became like spirited away, which is a little crazy to me. And fun fact, this passes like the Bechtel test. Oh, nice. For what? those who don't know, I believe the Bechtel test, it's not like a end-all, be-all for like feminism, but it's a, no, it's it's a, a fun, fun test experiment. for like women in fiction, in media, and it's, does your work feature two women talking to each other about something other than a boy? Oh, wow. Yep. I'd never heard of this test before. Really? Oh, it came out like the, what was it? I think it came out like the... 70s or something like the idea of it and it's i it's mean crazy it's awesome. because so many i think of my favorite movies like don't pass this at all and it's such a simple like thing like guys talk to each other all the time and they're not talking about girls but like how come there aren't that many movies and maybe there are more now that like can just it's one little requirement it's, it's obviously doesn't mean it's a good or bad movie but it's just a fun thing to like do in my mind yeah it's interesting because you would think that, like there's so many like rom-coms that have women main characters but a lot of the times they're sitting around talking about like how do i get this guy how do i do this so yeah it is it's pretty rare or not eh, like you said it's probably not as rare anymore but for a while it was you'd be shocked at how many pe people's favorite movies Ooh, doesn't pass i'm it. scared to look at my favorite movies and <laughs> give it that test <laughs> don't worry sister act two passes it's, lauren hill talks to her mom too. about singing <laughs> right like if you if you look at like some of the disney movies and granted like some of the ones that i'm thinking of are probably like a lot older but like cinderella and like say beauty and the beast like the main character is like this this young female right but she's like doing all this stuff 
is like for a prince. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like the same with Sleeping Beauty and the same thing. So Little Mermaid like also, a, I would throw in there. Yeah, oh, yeah. Exactly. Like it's a bit of a contrast to some of the Disney animated movies. Morty, do you know what the Bechdel test is? The what? For God's sake, Morty, the formula for measuring female agency in a story proposed by lesbian cartoonist Allison. What the hell are they teaching you in that school? Other stuff! Then you've killed us both! Why is lesbian part of her job title? Oh, now you're progressive? What is the test? You have to tell... Uh, Morty, uh, Morty, two women, they both have to have names and talk to each other about something Rick, other than a man. Oh, Rick, listen to me. Once upon a time, my mom and my sister, listen to me. Well, that was a lot of background discussion around the movie. Do you guys want to go into a spoiler free discussion about the movie itself? Absolutely. Yeah. Let's jump in. I can start out by saying it's kind of funny because we have come off watching the second season of Korra. The Legend of Korra. The, lo- oh! the Legend of Korra. Do you know, actually, what's crazy? I had thought about making you guys watch um, Avatar, Last Airbender. Oh, Andy, Andy's on that. Trust me, I've I've made her watch it. If I could point the camera at her wall, she got me these sweet framed Avatar pictures. I got my shaved head for next Halloween. I'm going to bang. Like, don't even worry. I'm a huge. It's like my favorite TV show of all time. Yeah, I had just recently rewatched it, and I was like, "This it's is beautiful. still standing the test of time." Yeah. Yeah. So we finished that a while ago. So now we're going through the Legend of Korra, which. I don't think it's quite as good, but it's still pretty amazing. And fun fact, I'm also watching Legend of Korra right now, oh. and I am almost done at season two. Oh, snap. Uh, well, so, you know, like, season two has a lot to do with, like, the spirit world. Yeah. So it was kind of funny to be like, oh, snap, you know, this is also, like, very deeply rooted in spirit world. Yeah, like I told Masha, I was yes. like, I feel like I prepared you for watching this by <laughs> making you watch Korra first, because... You know, it's it's made by Americans, so it's a lot more, uh, the way they describe the spirit world is a lot more, like, logistical, and, you know, with with this with Spirited Away, I feel like you kind of have to understand Japanese culture a little bit and kind of accept the idea of spirits, mm-hmm. but since Avatar was made for a Western audience, they really, like, play it out plain for you, like, what they are, how they work, things like that. Yeah. So I, I think it was a good transition into this movie where you just kind of have to accept the idea that there's a spirit world. It's so funny you mention that, too, because, like, one of my gripes with this movie is I want, like, world building almost. Like, I want this is how the things work. This is, you know, all the history to it. I want to go and, like, read, like, a whole history book of, like, this is everything that's leading up yeah. to all these events. And this is why it is the way it is kind of thing. And I totally agree You don't agree get, like, you. any of that with this movie. It's just, like you're in this world and you know nothing about it and you'll never learn anything about it and that's just the way it is yeah yeah for sure it's very i think what many people would call this world building is a soft world building soft magic whereas i think what you prefer is probably like lord of the rings like there's languages built there's history like Five million books of history before you even get to like the three major stories kind of situation like I think that's called like a hard magic kind of world building and like each one has its pros and cons but I think for sure in maybe western media it's a lot more like hard magic 
world building. Yeah. I, I think I agree. And I fully agree with Tyler, too, because I even wrote that in my notes where I was like, I'm always looking for, like, to find out how the rules of, uh, of the universe we're abiding in work, you know? So I, I was feeling the same kind of frustrations, but I think you hit the nail on the head where I think it's an East versus West thing because a lot of our stories, you know, are based around kind of like Joseph Campbell and the story circle and, like, without even knowing, because that's what Lucas did with Star Wars. Like, we're, we're always looking for, like, that as our model. And, like, the that... hero's, like, arc kind of, Yeah, like, or, like, you know, if there's the magic, journey. if there's magic, it's the Force, and this is how you learn the Force, you know? Like, it wasn't just, like, like, this movie was just so much of, like, I put a spell, I did this, there's a curse, I can transform into that, but, like, they don't fully out explain, like, how you do those things. And, yeah, I think they're both totally valid, but I've definitely been trained by Western media yeah. to just get frustrated a little bit and be like, oh, how did you... What? I just I just want to know the story behind No Face. Is that the name of the spirit? Like, yeah. what is what's going on there? Yeah, when that when that plot ended, Masha was like, oh, "Come on, I want to know more about No Face." <laughs> I mean, I think the this the soft world building like approach has just like different allowances of how you tell your story. So, like, I think the the story is far more like character driven than like an exposition of like this is what happens to the character it's more of like how does your character work in this world and what does that tell you about this character yeah i saw yeah i saw a million similar if i had to compare it to western stories i saw lots of comparisons to both the wizard of oz and alice in wonderland yeah yeah uh, like literally her going through the tunnel in the beginning of the movie was the same as Alice going down the rabbit hole like it's curiouser and curiouser I, I can see this is like a, a Japanese take on that almost you know in a way when we watch movies for the podcast it's weird we don't say a word to each other we just write everything down so we have no <laughs> idea what the other person thinks about the movie until we start recording it's <laughs> funny I think like I went in like with the intention to take notes and I'm not a note taker <laughs> mm-hmm. and I know Kayleen is a note note taker and she's like scribbling things throughout the movie and I have like one bullet <laughs> the entirety of the movie. I was like, well, yeah, how we do the rules work? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but like without having rules that like kind of appeals to like your own imagination, right? Like as a child, like you don't know what the rules are in the world that you're living in. Yeah. Right. Like it kind of captures that. And, I don't yeah, know if it's it like innocence have... or ignorance, but... Yeah, and it helped that the main character was in our shoes as well, where she had no idea what the hell was going on either. So, like, I never felt lost because she was also lost, so I felt cool. You know what I mean? If 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 everybody knew what was going on and me as a viewer was completely out of the loop, I would have felt a little weird. But I was like, well, she's confused, so let's be confused together. <laughs> you know? Yeah, and it's it's how she reacts to, like, this foreign world that she doesn't know what the rules are, like, what is going on even she just knows that her parents are pigs which she like just kind of accepts right like how does she react to that and that like reaction is what is like so i guess compelling to me like she's i think so courageous in the whole movie because you're in this world that you don't know the rules like like what would you do in the situation yeah um it's funny you bring up the pig thing because one thing one memory is jogged I don't know if you guys are the same way like this, but, you know, nowadays when I have dreams, I tend to forget them almost immediately. Like, I'll wake up. Even if I remember them for a day or two, they don't stick with me. But when I was a kid and, like, you first start remembering your dreams, 
especially scary ones. There's a few that I can still remember so vividly that I had as a kid, still to this day, that scared the hell out of me. And I remember the first time I saw this movie, this jog memory, because I had a very specific dream. It must have been about five, six years old, where I was with my dad and we went to like some kind of like, I don't even know where we were, but some kind of establishment where it had like a bar and my dad like sat down at the bar and I was just a kid and I wanted to leave. And then he was like having a drink, talking to somebody. And then I wandered away from him and I'm like walking through this creepy bar and then I see some like random guy like grabs my arm in the dream and tries to like get me to go with them. And I freaked out and I yanked away and I ran back to my dad and I was like pulling on him like and then he like turned around and he almost looked like Jabba the Hutt from uh, (laughs) Star Wars. But he was like this like monster and it like scared the living shit out of me. And like I still remember that dream perfectly. And then that was way earlier than before I was 13. But then I still remember watching this movie for the first time. I never forgot the pigs. Because when it happened in the movie, I was like, man, have other people had that same dream or like that same fear where you're yeah. with someone you trust, you walk away for a second and all of a sudden you don't recognize anything around you anymore. Yeah, and that, so that feeling that, is like universal. Yeah. So that like I had that like, exact dream of what happens to her with the pigs, just with like a couple of different things. So I'll, I remember that perfectly. I really can't blame the parents, though. One thing, like, in all these Miyazaki films, like, the food always looks so good. I always want to go and eat it. (laughs) (laughs) Even when she was eating that pork bun on the, on the, like, like halfway through the movie, she's, like, just sitting over the water eating a pork bun. I was like, that looks so good. (laughs) One of the things that I, I don't know, it's probably because I've watched it more than once, is the music is, like, really nostalgic for me. Um, I don't know if I, like, tried to play this on piano when I was, like, a kid. That might be it. But also, like, even the detailing with the sound and the attention to detail that Miyazaki put into it is, like, astounding to me. Like, apparently, like, all the characters' footsteps were recorded individually, like, with different shoes. Like, if they had a certain shoe, like, that's what they were recorded with to, like, walk with throughout the whole thing. Um, like, and the cooking sounds, like, in that kitchen scene, it was all recorded in, like, a hotel kitchen because they wanted, like, that kind of detail and co- that kind of, like, immersiveness, I guess. That is so cool. That's, yeah. Yeah, th- I mean, no, we already kind of spoke on the animation a little bit, but I, I'm i not a huge animation head. Like, I love it when it's good. I mean, I just said Avatar is my favorite TV show, so obviously I like animation, but... I don't really know the ins and outs of it too much, but I know if if my if they can't like trick my brain into thinking that I'm looking at a real world with real people walking around, I can't get invested in it. And so something like this, like basically a lot of Japanese animation and avatars made in America, but heavily, heavily inspired by Japanese style uh, animation. Like I need that to make it feel like I'm looking at real people and not just like individual drawings that are standing still. Because I've had people recommend certain animation to me that I know is probably well written. Like, I like Star Wars, and everyone tells me that show, what is it, uh, The Clone Wars? It's like that animated show. Everybody says it's, like, really good, but every time I try to watch it, everybody looks all blocky and weird. And I just don't believe that they're, like, real people standing in a room interacting with objects. It just feels like I'm looking at drawings. And because I'm not an animation head, I can't really articulate this any better. But this, I just felt like... Because everybody was moving, because there was steam coming off things, because there was so much, like, grass was moving in the wind. 
there was no point where I didn't feel like I wasn't watching like a breathing world with with this movie. To to your original point with the sound, that was my one bullet. Is like for me, like I I look back at all my favorite movies and things like that, and it's always like I love the soundtrack. I love the sounds, especially like in animated movies, and this like checked all those boxes for me. It was like perfect in it in every way for me. I'm an- I'm yeah, pretty happy you said that. As as a location sound mixer myself, I'm glad that someone's <laughs> listening to the sound. Appreciate it. <laughs> oh, I think they did like a really good job at trying to have it not be just like a picture. Like that picture description is like spot on with some of my issues that I have with like animation in general. But like I feel like there was like movement in this movie. There was like so smell. Movement. There was like taste. Like like some scenes where like there's like just a scene at the beginning with the car like moving through like that force and like you're in the car but it focuses at a statue like so when you're driving by it like that that was like i don't know unreal or like following like haku through like the flowers like that that sense like it was actual movement and i get that like animation like you're drawing one screen like one frame to the next frame to the next frame so it should have movement but this sort of movement is like so different it really like i don't i'm not even sure sometimes like a live action would have that kind of movement Mm -hmm. right i don't think you would and even like the little things, like when when the stink monster comes and Jihiro smells them, and they like draw like the oh. goosebumps going up her body, and I was like, yeah, that's crazy. Like they didn't have to do that, but like yeah. it made me it made me smell the stink bug. You know what I mean? That's funny because I have that same exact comment, and like <laughs> I have that same exact and like the thickness of like that sludge, like yeah. it just felt like like you were moving through cement, and like I like smelling like the food like like seemed like so tasty even though you weren't even like smelling it or like trying to trying that small bite of like that herbal stone like that like you I could imagine what that tasted like you know so I thought they did a really good job I was really also impressed with you know with an animation movie a lot of the time like a lot of the characters look the same like I just felt like he really went above and beyond creating different looks for different characters like you have and there's so many yeah that's of like like there's so like just in the background not even like Chihiro like the I guess maybe main characters you would say is like Chihiro, Haku, Yubaba and then like her twin um right like those are like that's maybe no face but like in the background there are probably and i'm it's not even like an exaggeration to say that there's like thousands of other uh, maybe that is an exaggeration but like at least hundreds of like other characters right in the background yeah what's the spirit's name that kind of looks like a spider who was working in kamaji yeah how do you remember that we just watched it okay yes (laughs) That character is like different from everybody else. I will say Yubaba. Yubaba? Yep. Yeah. She scared the hell out of me. Me too. <laughs> like, it wasn't like it's meant to be that scary, but like the way she was designed. I think she was meant to be scary. Yeah. yeah. Like, 
like Chihiro's entire body mass was like her nose. Like, you know, like she was a very imposing, she was small, but also like big and imposing at the same time. Yeah. And the way yeah. she would transform. Ugh. Oh, I love the transformation into the bird. And then, you know, what's crazy is that her sister is her twin, but for some reason, her twin is like, I know looks exactly like her, but it wasn't scary. Well, it took me a while to trust her. <laughs> well, she doesn't trust anybody. Even in the beginning, she's like, this Haku, I don't know what he's up to. But he's up to something. <laughs> but yeah, I was just really impressed with how diverse the characters were. <laughs> One thing I just like about it that I feel like we've lost a lot in our children's entertainment now, at least in the West, is like, I really do think kids' entertainment should be a little bit scary. Because I remember as a kid, that's always what stuck to me. Like, it's in uh disney like scar was always my favorite villain because i actually like felt that he could hurt the bad guys or the good guys sorry run run away and never return kill him and like this movie is it has scary stuff in it you know like chihiro you know uh sorry haku with like the blood when he was the dragon and and all that, you know, I, I feel like we've kind of shied away from, like, showing true, scary imagery. And it always stuck to me watching things like the never-ending story and, the, you know, and things like that when I was growing up where there were actual, like, life and death stakes and villains were scary, but it was still a lighthearted movie. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't see that in, like, a Wreck-It Ralph or anything like that anymore. You know, it's not, yeah. none of it's scary. It's just, so I, mean, I, I kind of appreciate that. It makes it a little, like, less realistic to me. Yeah, and kids like to feel like adults. Like, kids, you know, mm-hmm. you grow out of extremely kiddie things very early. You know, like, up until, like, age four, you're into Barney and things that, like, are super light. But eventually, I mean, I remember I liked anything that made me seem or feel a little bit older. So, if I watched something that one of my older brothers or one of my older cousins thought was, like, cool, too, or scary, I was like, oh, this is awesome, you know? Yeah. One of the things that I think this movie has that I don't really see too much during a western kind of media or film is like those quiet moments so in japanese they're called ma which is like emptiness uh the way miyazaki would describe that is the time between a clap so like in an interview he says that if you have non-stop action with no none of that like breathing space it's just like busyness right like it's just coming at you time and time and time again and you kind of become numb to that right but then if you take a moment and you kind of let it breathe then you kind of have that tension naturally build in the film like organically so like that that train ride i think is like the classic example of the the train ride that she has at the end near the end of the movie where like mm-hmm. nothing's really happening, right? She's on the train, and that scene is probably like three minutes long. Yeah, that is a good point. But yeah, it's it's a nice quiet calm from the storm because we just had so much craziness with no face chasing her. Yeah, and all that. So it's you need that breathing room, I think. Yeah, and but like what it does is kind of like adds anticipation. You kind of build the world. You have a sense of like how far she's going from where she's now comfortable, where she wasn't comfortable before, and now she's entering into another uncomfortable space that she's now willingly like going on her own will. She wasn't forced into this one. This is something she wanted to do on herself. 
and she is willing to kind of go into another unknown space like on her own will like all of that you kind of get that sense from just like her riding a train yeah those mom moments give the viewer a chance to actually question the world and like wonder and think about it rather than everything being thrown at you because like there are a lot of questions to be answered in this movie right so like without those moments I just feel like I wouldn't have been as invested because I wouldn't have time to think about this world um I don't know is that like weird (laughs) like I just feel like I needed time to like absorb everything. Oh no! So yeah, I appreciate something those crazy. Moments. Yeah, I feel like something crazy happens every scene in this movie where you're just like, "Oh, I didn't know that was," you know. Right. So yeah, I think you're totally right. Because yeah, even I questioned like, almost all these spirits are flying around constantly. Like, who who is this train for? You know, like, <laughs> <laughs> like they're almost all flying in and out of windows all the time. Yeah. But you know, it's it's cool. I was kind of wondering, like, is this train how people like when they. I I was wondering if it had anything to do with like people dying and getting on a train to like stop like I I'm still wondering like <laughs> how people get to this world. It's a metaphor. <laughs> oh yeah, like I, I yeah I all the praise that we said for this movie stands, but there's a lot of it where I'm just like I think that went over right over my head. Like I don't think I fully understand a lot of the intricate the kind of themes and ideas in the movie. I have a little more to say about that when we go into spoilers, but uh, a lot of it I think just probably just from not growing up in Japan or in Eastern culture. Mm-hmm. Is just it like probably would click with me if I if I grew up that way and with you know in that area. But yeah, it's just being exposed to different kinds of like media, and I feel like Western media is very exposition driven. Like at the end of the movie, right? Like someone has defeated someone, and there's a wedding. Little Mermaid, there's a wedding. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They, they kill Lion Ursula King, and then they have a wedding. They, you know? He defeated Scar. Yeah. Then, everything like, wraps then up. He gets yep. a ceremony. Cere- I know. I keep bringing up Star a, Wars. You get a medal. But... Like Star yeah, Wars, you, bl- you get a medal. Yeah. You congrats. blow up the Death Star. Everybody gets a medal and goes home happy. Yeah. Like it's. It gets a little predictable for me. You know, like I think Tyler kind of makes fun of me and maybe is a little annoyed by me when like. I, he says that I, like, can predict movies really well. Uh-huh. To me, like, all the movies are the same. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, like, yep. unless they're purposely trying to be subversive or whatever, like, they purposely, like, you think, like, I think recently, like, you think the main character is going to live and now they purposely kill them off. Like, Firefly, like, that was such a huge deal. I don't know, sorry, if you've seen Firefly or not. So, Masha has not watched Firefly, but she did watch Serenity of the Movie. So, what? she's seen the ending, <laughs> and she hasn't seen any of the show, and I think, that's, I think that's insane. I had a free ticket. It's Oh, but, like, so, I don't know if you want a spoiler or not, Masha. It's I'm going to forget it. <laughs> okay, so like well, someone she's seen does, the ending, like so a, she knows what happens in the movie. When the pilot dies. That's in the movie. Okay, so then Masha's technically seen this, so it's not a spoiler. But like uh, but any that listeners was... out there, spoiler. <laughs> yeah, spoiler. But that was like so different from I think everything else I'd seen at the time. Like your main characters don't die. They're always like the winner, they're always right they're always driving the story on yeah and i think you're totally right there's always exceptions to the rule too like I've, like we're kind of talking 
broadly about a lot of like big mainstream movies that are kind of marketed with broad appeal because I could think of a thousand American examples that don't do that but yeah if we're talking like big big mainstream broad appeal movies yeah they tend to kind of stick to a little bit of a formula like that like I love Moana but I don't really love it for like the plot because it's a very like you can know you know where that movie's gonna end the second it starts but the journey there is really well made so I still like that movie you know yeah so like to me that's that might be one of the reasons why like I I'm like oh this person is probably the bad guy because it's it's i it's like you just see it over and over and over again whereas this i don't think the purpose of the movie is trying to figure out who the bad guy is it's more how do you respond to your environment exactly how do you grow how do you change that and you're just kind of like thrown into this world where you have no explanation you never learn anything it's a snapshot in time nothing in the world changes right like from from the beginning and to the end like the main character really has almost no impact on like this world right like, yeah she doesn't yeah. really change anything the world goes on after she leaves yeah in like a more typical movie it's more like oh this hero changed everything from that point on Right, like they were so they saved the world exactly, exactly. right. And here is your medal for doing that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This plot doesn't revolve, or the world doesn't revolve around the hero in this case. Yes, I do it, think though. I think I will think from my interpretation. I think she left somewhat of a mark on it though, because I think she was the first human that these spirits met that was different than what they expected a human to be like. Um, cause one of the main themes I saw in the movie was like greed, just cause from the very beginning, like it was the greed of her parents that got them turned into pigs. Everybody who was grubbing for gold seemed like they were never going to get out of their situation. Cause they were just all, and like Chihiro never really showed greed in any moment in the movie. She was always, I need to help my parents. I need to help my friend. I need to help this person. Yeah. So, and she never took anything she didn't need. Yeah. So I, I think that's the one thing I would say that like when she left, maybe the other characters would have a different perception on what humans are capable of and she did change the baby <laughs> <laughs> yeah that baby, baby is that baby nice went from sucking now. to like being pretty cool <laughs> <laughs> although i personally wish that the baby stayed as that like little mouse because it was much cuter <laughs> <laughs> i actually didn't like the baby until it got turned into a mouse right yeah 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 that's <laughs> That's when I learned about friendship or whatever. Friendship or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but it's true friendship and love that this that Chihiro has. Yay! Yay. <laughs> All right, guys. Let's, to let's tone it down a notch. <laughs> Going back to the greed sentiment, yeah. um, I definitely think Miyazaki has the same sentiments i think he has a lot of uh i guess morals i guess you could call it but he yeah. really i think translates that into his movies another thing would definitely be when the river sludge spirit came in and she had to like release that thorn on its side if you saw like all the things that came out, it was all like human-made stuff. It was like, yeah, it looked like pollution made by humans, like thrown into the river. Yep, it was like like a bicycle and like a washing machine. It was just like so much 
stuff like humanity's consumption and not having a care for what it does to in the environment like that is in this movie but you definitely see it in like other movies that he has created so i definitely agree on that kind of symbolism in the movie in some of his other movies like even like my neighbor totoro right like his family like they move out to the countryside and like this quiet little house and like they give up a lot of possessions and i haven't seen all of his movies but from the movies i can remember it's never about like gaining anything other than like friendships or, or something like this like along those lines yeah know? even uh princess mononoke you know it's the it's the forest and the creatures of the forest teaming up to, to fight against the people trying to destroy the forest so it's very yeah it's mm. he has a lot of the same kind of not i don't want to say conservationalist themes but like environmental. you know keeping environmental keeping traditions um because that's another thing i kind of that's the only other theme i really picked up on was like in the very beginning the dad seemed incredibly new age and not traditional in any way like he he had all this technology like he's like don't worry about we could drive i got four-wheel drive and then they see all the food he's like i got all these credit cards like he seemed very into like status and products and new technologies and then the spirit world took over which is much more in line with kind of like traditional storytelling and and teachings and like not a lot of technology-based stuff so i kind of saw that as well as one of the the themes i picked up on is there anything else anyone wants to talk about maybe before we go into spoilers yeah i don't think i could talk anymore without spoiling the very end so i'm down to jump into it if you guys are ditto we could just start it by talking about the the whole end of the movie where it's you know from the minute haku meets chihiro he knew her name and he said he remembered her from the past but he didn't know why so i think kind of the big uh, word twist is totally wrong but the big reveal in the movie is that he was a guardian spirit. I mean, he was the river, but I think he was like, I think I interpreted this. He was like the guardian spirit of the river almost. And, uh, and she fell inside as a child and he kind of rescued her in that moment. I don't know. It's so weird for me. Cause I keep thinking of it, like almost like as a movie about nothing, like, <laughs> like you just follow this girl, she gets thrown in, she gets thrown out. And it's like, it's hard for me to like really say it's like a real spoiler like i think it is a spoiler but i don't know it's 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 difficult for me like in terms of like putting my finger on as to why i like the movie because there's so much in like in the movie that happens but nothing is concrete in a sense like yeah it's kind of there along for the journey i will say it was a i guess the spoiler part for me was realizing that he wasn't actually a human like, by him not knowing his name, I kind of just assumed that he used to be a human. Like, I didn't realize that he could be anything else. Oh, yeah, because when they had that conversation early about how Yubaba, uh, like, basically keeps you working for her by getting rid of your name. And so she did the same thing to him as she did to... Because Chihiro gets renamed to Sen. I actually love that. Because when yeah, I was, that was like, great. really young, and maybe even, like, right now, like, to me, names are, like, so important. When, especially when I was, like, younger. Maybe because, like, Kayleen has, like, Chinese characters. And, like, each character has its own meaning. And then, like, putting it together. Like, that's me. Like, that's, like, who I am. Like, that was, like, so important to me when I was younger. Who are you? No one. Who are you? 
No one. Who are you? I'm Buffy, the vampire slayer in New York. I loved like having that in this movie. And like, I don't know if you guys noticed, but like Chihiro, I think was three characters. And then if you took away the first character and the last character, that the pronunciation of that middle character is Sen. So it's still oh, like a little bit part of her, but it's no not way. like all of her. That. You know, like yeah. Yubaba took parts of her away, but she at least still got to hold on to like a little bit of herself. That's actually awesome because Haku was the middle of his name too. Yep. Yeah. I, I don't I don't remember what it was totally, but it yep. was something Haku. <laughs> it was something. very yeah. long. <laughs> yeah. So that's that's interesting because yeah, I didn't pick up on the sun thing because I don't know anything about reading Japanese characters oh my or, God. or anything like Sen- that. Sensei Sen- Morimura Sen- would be so proud <laughs> of you, Kayleen. <laughs> Sen means I think a thousand. I Sensei would be so mad at me. I think it's like a certain <laughs> number. It might be ten thousand or a thousand or a hundred thousand or something like that. But it's a, it's some sort of number. So like that also falls into the whole like greed and like money like even though that's her name like that's not what she cares about so yeah. so if i said sen yen that's the price of something technically <sighs> you know something could cost sen yen sorry it's the stupidest question of all time but I, I, it, it was teed up i had to say it <laughs> it means a thousand so a thousand yen is sen yen uh it's probably like you probably have to say one sen yen so like probably uh. ichi sen yen but okay. you know what? Let's not test my Japanese. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's been 10 years, if you can I can't it. even support you there. Don't so. worry. I, I think our audience is still small enough. We haven't reached Japan yet, so you're not going to get any <laughs> angry tweets. <laughs> to your name point, though, like, to me, like, it, it meant nothing. Because it's like, I don't know, Tyler's like a common name in America. Like, I've gone to school, like, with, like, uh, like men and women who both have the name Tyler. Like, to me, it's it means like almost nothing you know i guess it's all about the culture and like how much your culture you know puts impo- an importance on yeah, your, I don't in think, your name i don't think americans put that big of importance on the name like if someone asks what does andy mean if, i don't know it's, yeah. it's short for andrew and i don't know what that means <laughs> my mom always told me she like combined like ma and shah but i always forget what the meetings were mm. but anyway at least like in chinese culture like your first name so like Kayleen, like has very little meaning in regards to your family name Mm -hmm. right so like your last name so like when you introduce yourself in chinese like your last name slash family name goes first so like if if i was introducing myself like i'd say song kayleen yeah right like it's just more important like your family name is like more important yeah, I think I think I remember learning that when Yao Ming became really popular in America mm-hmm. because his name is technically Ming Yao, right? Mm-hmm. But we say Yao Ming. Yeah, yeah. So I remember I remember learning that when someone was like, "Yeah, his first name isn't Yao," and I was like, "Oh snap, I didn't know." <laughs> Can I write a check? Yo. Yao. Yo. Yao. Yo. Yo. Can I write a check? Yo. Yao. Yo. 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 Can I write a check? Yo. Did anybody else think that Haku was gonna go back with her through the tunnel? That's what He's I was a expecting. River spirit. How is he gonna go through? 
Yeah, see, that's, I think we're going back to watching the Western movies where you think, like, it's all going to lead up to them falling in love yeah. and escaping yeah. together. I've been brainwashed. <laughs> <laughs> no, she freed him. He's not going to be, you know, her apprentice anymore, and he's going to roam the so spirit he, world. Yeah, does he go back to now being, like, a, a guardian spirit free of working for Yubaba now? I mean, yeah, I mean, we don't see it, but he definitely says the words like, I'm going to go tell her I'm not going to be her apprentice anymore. Yeah. yeah. And speaking of origin stories, am I mistaken that the spider guy, I forgot his name, is her great grandfather? Didn't he mention that? No, he was a lie. Oh. Yeah. That was because the the one girl was like, a human can't be in here. And he's like, that's my great granddaughter. Like, he just said that to protect her in the moment. Oh. It, it was to prove that he took a liking to her. Interesting. Yeah, it was just a lie because uh, they would have you know okay. reported her for being a human wow so the the human can't be here is lynn the person who kind of like takes her on as an apprentice is she a human i think so i i couldn't figure it out but i was i, I was watching it where i was like because she says that one point she's like one day i'm gonna get out of here so to me it seems like she was in the same boat where she get, maybe went there as a child and has just been working there until she grew up what do you think kayleen i thought everyone was spirits oh interesting <laughs> I thought everyone was spirits and maybe just like living their life. Maybe she had like this goal of getting out of here, but like, I don't, what was she doing to try and get out of there? True. Like, well, to me, yeah, I mean, the paycheck. Yeah, to me, like, <laughs> yeah, I guess to me, like, Chihiro, like, has the goal of getting out of the spirit world and wants to transfer form her parents back and she is i guess getting a paycheck yeah i don't know <laughs> i thought she was human because haku had such he knew exactly what to tell chihiro in the beginning what to do in order to not get turned into a pig where for, well the, first he was like you have to eat something or you're gonna disappear then he was like you have to go and ask for a job which made me think that if you're a non-useful human then they just turn you into a pig or they get rid of you or they kill you and the ones who got jobs ended up being useful. And while Lynn was pretty, was mo mostly noble throughout the movie, I think she did have a little bit of that greed problem we were talking about. Like, she was swayed to do something just by getting to eat a fried newt or whatever that was, like that, that food she really wanted. So I, I just think that Chihiro was like the most, like, pure human that they've ever seen who didn't get caught up in any of the greed aspects of the lifestyle. Mm. That's how I that's how I pictured pictured it anyway. When Miyazaki made this, I don't think he got caught up on the whole like exposition of the story. He actually didn't even have like as they were animating it, he was still like making the story. <laughs> that's correct. At the same time. So like I I'm going to say this again, like I think it's a character-driven story. Like I think he kind of creates a world and like a tone and atmosphere that's immersive and it kind of captures like a child but at the same time like Chihiro goes through like a change right like she oh definitely grows and it, it might not and it's it's not like she grows because she defeated something per se it was just like her inner growth she kind of like became more yeah, she seemed like a kid who was very much in her shell in the beginning and didn't want to accept a lot of change. Like, it seemed like she was bummed that they were moving. 
she didn't want to like leave the car and go explore this area and then by the end she opened up and was able to like accept just change and things around her and adapting to new environments because in the beginning she was just like she just seemed like you know she was crying that she had to leave and all this stuff Every, anything her parents wanted to do, even though it was smart to be against what they wanted to do, she was just, like, not open to any new experiences. Could you call this a coming-of-age story? Like, hmm. she kind of grows, I think you could argue something it. happens, she grows and becomes something else, Is which is a little bit sad because that means, like, something has changed or you've lost something. So that's, like, the whole story is chihiro to me yeah is like and maybe that's why i feel so melancholy at the end of the whole movie (laughs) (laughs) is that that's how maybe he drives like that kind of sense or feelings in my mind a little sad part to me too is she had this experience sort of solo she's going back to a world where nobody knows that she's she's experienced experienced. yeah yeah Yeah, so she kind of has to go through that alone Right? Like, how you do can't you, tell how someone, you, like, all this happened. Yeah, like, no, how do you tell someone that you had an experience and that you've grown so much from it? Like, how do you tell that to someone if yeah. they didn't experience it with you? Yeah, and that goes back to my, uh, what's it called? The Alice in Wonderland and the Wizard of Oz comparisons where they come out of this world and they're just back in their life. And, like, they went through something, but nothing changed around them, technically. Yeah. Except their own, the way they handle things. Anyways, I don't have much else to talk about if you guys have anything. Yeah, I don't have anything. So, uh, Kayleen, what should we do next? <laughs> Let's get into best worst. I want to go first because I only had one. So I don't okay, want anyone I only else wrote to one take one we, we all wrote the same one. Well, we don't know that. But... That would be unfortunate. Yeah, normally we write a few, but since there was like four of us, I was like, I'm going to just come up with one and just leave it at that. Okay. I also came up with one. <laughs> okay, so you can go first. All here. right. Um, my best worst is best worst non-speaking character. Oh. <laughs> All right, we didn't pick that. Oh, All good. Right, cool. That's <laughs> because good. there's so many. Yeah. There's There's like, it just was amazing, like, how many characters didn't have a line, but like, was in it for a lot. Hmm. Non-speaking character. I think the best non-speaking character were the little footballs. Oh, that was mine. <laughs> I just thought of that. <laughs> I love those little things. I think they were amazing. I love like that. Even though it was like a little football, it had like so much emotion. Like I love the scene where like the baby mouse, the transformed baby mouse, was like reenacting Chihiro like stomping on. Yeah. the spirit and like doing the little breaking the seal thing and everyone's cheering like i love that it's like probably one of my favorite scenes they're so cute yeah i love too when the that little evil spirit thing was running around and then it went to go run in their holes and they all like made a formation to block it you know <laughs> my- he- yeah go on oh my favorite part was when Chihiro, you know, lifted that piece of coal or whatever, and then, you know, the other soot balls were like, well, you could take mine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they all were like, look, I need help too. That was adorable. <laughs> I, I agree with you, Kaylee. I think we both, Andy and I both yeah. do. Uh, do you have one, Tyler? 
Yeah, no, I mean that that was I was in the same boat. Those guys are definitely my my favorites, uh-huh. and with, all because of the same scene as Mosh has said, where they all start dropping the rocks on. Yeah, that was my biggest squashed. laugh in the movie. Like, it, like, I know it's not really a comedy, but I I got a nice chuckle out of that one. I also was gonna say the stink monster who ends up being the the spirit, but I'm pretty sure he talks at the very end. I think he says like "well done" or something. Yeah, he maybe had one line. Yeah, so that would have been my favorite, but then I remembered he talked, so I was like, all right, I'm going slipples. <laughs> Worst, I have to think about, though, because that's... Worst, I also still have to think about. <laughs> well, okay, so technically he does, he or she does talk, but my worst is going to be no face, because he def- <laughs> he can't talk. Can he talk? Actually, he can make sounds. I he, like, no, he talked. Right? Yeah, but like I feel like until he fall- he swallowed the frog, then he used the frog's voice to speak. Yeah, that's how I kind of pictured it. Yeah. Yeah. But you didn't like No Face? No. Oh, you're crazy. I didn't know what his motives were. Like, why was he there? He was lonely. Where did he come from? But that's like what life. What does he want? <laughs> you don't know like anyone's motives and they always hide them and they you're people are just trying to please people at the end of the day. Oh, I have a little fun fact. So, you know the scene where the lantern um, hops and guides them towards Zenaba's house? Yeah. yeah. That's a little small reference to Pixar's, like, lamp. Because of the oh, relationship that's... between, like, John Lasseter and Miyazaki. That is awesome. That is really cool. Yeah. It's so funny, because in that scene, that's that's the last time we see No-Face, so that's when Masha said... um. Oh man, I want to know the backstory of No Face. And then as she said that, the lamp waved. I'm like, you don't want to know the backstory of Leg Lamp? <laughs> <laughs> so now we got it. So that's fantastic. That is awesome. Oh, I, I know my worst. I didn't like that that fat, like, white elephant looking thing with the tusks <laughs> that, like, follows them into uh... the elevator and everything. That guy made me uncomfortable. He seemed like. When you're in like a sauna and a real fat dude comes in with a towel, <laughs> and you're just like, I don't need to be looking at your body right now. And uh, you just imagine him being so smelly, even though he's in a bathhouse. Yeah, because he had like he had like man boobs, but then also his arms were fat. So there just seemed like a lot of flabs <laughs> that a stench could be living underneath that I wasn't into. <laughs> so he was my least favorite non-speaking character. Uh, maybe for me is like those, the ones in the background, the frogs, because it just makes me think. They're probably the same as like the other frogs that were mean. Wow, way to put a stereotype. Yeah, on the frogs, like maybe I'm stereotyping. <laughs> maybe the frogs are all different, and they all had different upbringings, and you should really learn about them. But you know what? They didn't have a speaking role. I had only the mean ones to base it off of, and this is how stereotypes get started. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, any worst for you, Tyler? Uh, maybe the pigs. The pigs were, like, low-key pretty scary, I yeah, think. They yeah, they were. They, they, they drew it, them real gross. Yeah, and, and I don't know. I hope it's not a metaphor for humans or something along <laughs> those lines, because it paints us in a pretty bad picture. But, yeah. Yeah, I would say the pigs. That's a good answer. I mean, so if you guys had, you know, were in this scenario where you just saw, like, a whole buffet and you did have credit cards and cash to buy the food and... Nobody was there. Like, would you have gone for the plates? I don't think I would go I for open so. food yeah. in any... Like, if I just walked and just saw open food out, I would just, like... I would think maybe it's old. If nobody was around, there's someone I could be like, oh, those people just cooked that. I feel like I would just be like, I'm not touching that. I don't know what the hell's Yeah, I think it's weird that. to just start eating someone else's food. 
Yeah, like, it's not even, like, a morality thing. I would just be kind of grossed out. I'd be like, how long has I been sitting there, you know? <laughs> I would definitely think it's poison. Someone's yeah. out to get me. Yeah, okay. You know, if you were walking in the park and there was, like, a table that had, like, hamburgers and hot dogs on it, would you just be like, delicious, well, you know? Yeah, but they were, it was in a setting where, I guess the father had mentioned this was, like, an amusement park or whatever. Like, it probably wasn't, but... You know, it seemed like it was a for sale situation. Yeah, but everything else was closed around it, so I don't know why. I don't know. All right. I was just checking. I, <laughs> I personally wouldn't either. I agree with all of you. So, just wanted to also, bring a question. Is is that food just out there to trick humans into That's becoming pigs? Like, they said yeah. it was for their guests, but I was like, I don't know. Like, you know, I think I think it was to trick humans. Well, is it how they collect the meat for the all the food that they create for their guests? So is everyone eating humans? <laughs> no, like they where are they sourcing their pork from otherwise? Their spirit pork. <laughs> yeah, who knows? Maybe yeah. no faces making it appear like gold. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um all right, I think I will go next and we we can go bounce back and forth if that's cool. Um so I did best worst character design. Ooh. Like from like a drawing design perspective. Like, what they look like, how they move, and all that stuff. So, my best actually was No-Face. Uh, I loved the way he looked the whole movie. I like the way the transparentness of him in the beginning. I like how you think that mask is his face, but he really has that, like, scary mouth face underneath. But the mask is still kind of his face because he can smile and frown. So, and then also every once in a while you would see his legs, which I thought was kind of interesting. Because it looks like he's floating all the time. But every once in a while, you would see, like, one knee pop out while he was walking. And I was just like, man, there's so many different things. Like, I just kept thinking about how he works and looks every time he came on screen. And it's such, like, a simple concept. But, like, it was it's so, like, dynamic. I have a runner-up, but I don't want to take anyone else's in uh, case my runner-up is theirs. I'm going to give my best uh, to... Maybe it's the same character. Uh, two different characters, but it was the same, like, image. I'm going to give it to the twins of Yubaba and Zeniba because even though they're like the same physically like the same character like the impression that you get from each one is so different and it's probably because of the way it was designed like Yubaba is scary and it was like she was so big and like overbearing and large whereas like Zeniba was like almost like grandmotherly right but like they both look the same like i like that kind of contrast between the two nice yeah that was mine as well (laughs) (laughs) and i think you nailed everything that i liked about them cool tyler I think mine, I, I would say Kamaji. Cause I ah, think, that was my runner-up. Was it? I like, it at first, he was so off-putting because I, he almost like reminded me of a spider with all the extra arms. But I love that like he's the boiler man because you know he has all these super long arms. He can reach into the shelves. Yeah. He can grab it and put up, pull up the baths and all that. So I thought that was really neat. Yeah, even just watching him work, I think they drew it really cool with him cranking all the cranks. And then he would like grab something, drink it, put it down. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he, he was stopped. definitely my second favorite um and then for worst i'm jumping on kayleen's uh frog hate where i'm gonna say the frog people just because they were the most that just kind of looked like big frogs like they didn't have too much unique characteristics to them so just from looking at them in the background i was like i'm kind of sick of seeing all these frogs everywhere that there's nothing special about them so that was my my least favorite character design i'm having a hard time thinking of a character that 
like I didn't like the design of because yeah. like I'm thinking of like the the people who are using the bathhouse and they're all so unique. Yeah. Oh like, yeah. No, it's it's, it's it's definitely not easy. This movie's full of great and... ones. We could all just say we hate frogs. Too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I'll, also, there's like two types of frogs. There's like little like real looking yep. frogs, and yep. then there's like frog people. Yeah, yeah. And there's like the ones who work in the kitchen. Yeah. yeah. I'm talking about the frog people, by the way. Yeah. Yeah, I'm talking about them too. Okay, like the, I'm the a ones frog work... person hater. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't mind that that little frog, the one who ends up who gets eaten by no face and then gets spit out later on. I didn't yeah. mind him. I thought his voice was a little annoying. <laughs> Maybe the transparent spirits on the train. Like I'm really just like anything here. Yeah. <laughs> all right. I mentioned it earlier how much I love how much all the food looks. So if you can remember, what what's your best looking food that they ate in the movie? And worse. Oh. And, <gasps> and worse. I I know for me it's definitely the pork bun. Uh, I don't I, know I already what said it earlier, is about so I'm it. going with you. I'm I'm riding that. Yeah. I'm, I'm also hopping know. on that train. <laughs> yeah. Um. Maybe I kind of hold on. Although the parents scene, there was a lot of good food. Yeah. I just don't know if I can remember it as vividly. <laughs> that I want to look up. And then also, like, all the food being offered to No Face. Yeah. There's so much food in that, too. And it's all different, right? Yeah. I don't know if I'm able to think of a worst. I, there was, like, some soggy-looking bag that they ate at one point, the parents, and it it really turned me off, and it was the one thing of food that I was like, you know what, that doesn't look good. And and then the whole chickens, I, I just really don't see the appeal of eating, like, like yeah, a that whole one, bird. Uh, that oh. one, I'm actually going to go with that, because even when the mom was like, ooh, what kind of bird is this, and then just bites it, I was like, you got to know what you're eating before you eat it. <laughs> right? Uh, maybe my favorite is, like, that little tea house spread that they had at the grandma's house at Zenaba's house they're having like a little bit of tea and they have like cakes and little pastries oh yeah i really like that that was good yeah worst i'm going with the uh i think they were cornish hens because that what those are the really small chickens where like everybody eats one yeah like quail yeah yeah i'm good on i'm good on unidentified birds Um, probably worst. I don't know. Food is like my favorite thing. (laughs) (laughs) I love all the food. I love all food. Is mustard a big condiment in Japan? The dad just had like mustard sitting out and he's like, you want this mustard? (laughs) Oh, yeah. Maybe just like the rice, the common rice ball that, uh, uh, Haku, Haku gives, gives her. yeah, oh, Chihiro, yeah. and she's like crying and eating it at the same time. Like <laughs> I can feel that so much, but also it probably tasted so good because she was crying though. <laughs> yeah, but it seems it was probably the most plain dish they ate yeah. in terms of like flavor. I have a worst: the fried newt. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Which which according to this movie is the greatest thing you could eat of yeah. all time. But yeah. I disagree. I think I would go actually yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. I, I guess based on that, I'm gonna assume that Lynn is not a human then if she's chowing down on those fried noodles. Hey, I don't know, man. I was I was in Thailand not too long ago and they were just selling cooked bugs like on the oh, like yeah. out of tents, like you know, like in the street markets and stuff. So I got videos of my friend just eating like fried bees and stuff like so, I, I don't think it's that out of the ordinary to eat a fried newt. 
Right, um, Masha. Sorry, Masha. All so right. after you claimed that we were all going to have the exact <laughs> same one. We all well, I kind of did have one similar to Kayleen's. I was like along the lines of like the best spirit. Um, but I, so I loved your angle with the best animation. So I'm just going to pick a random one and this may or may not fly. So go for it. Um, best worst resort job. Oh, that's not bad. Oh, I like that. That's not bad. I would say the best at be just because it's the easiest job is like being the greeter. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna piggyback and say the guy who, uh, who gives out the the to- whatever those oh, little things they need to get the water. Too. Yeah, because he seems like he has a lot of power. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like everybody needs that water. He's like, you get he, good he smelling good water tips. and you get worse smelling water. Yeah. I might go back to Kamaji. You'd never have to deal with anyone. You're just hanging out with your little sit sprites all day. That sounds like a pretty good life. That is true. You're drinking tea out of the little uh, teapot, just straight out of the teapot kettle. Yeah, you get your meals delivered to you. Yeah. Oh, true. Although he's the uh, he's the epitome of what we're all doing and working from home because he <laughs> sleeps right where he works, so he never gets to leave that place. Um, and for me, my worst, I'm going to go with, uh, cleaning the sludge off those tubs. That seemed gross as hell. Like when they were, when they used the term, like the sludge is caked, like caked on there. I was like, gross. Like, uh, they use the, the color of the water to hide the remaining sludge they can't uh, clean. uh, Uh. (laughs) I probably wouldn't like, um, you know, that scene where it's like all the young, like looking girls and they're all like hunched over and like running with a. Uh, yeah with like a rag underneath them i just know if i do that like i'm gonna just try really hard but then like the rag is gonna get caught on something and i'm gonna like just roll over and like hurt myself and then like bending over like that like i'm old man i I don't know they're they're gonna grow up to be like hunchbacks like (laughs) women you know (laughs) yeah i have to think about longevity on that job and that was a good one. He just came out of nowhere. Wow, that's awesome. I'm glad it worked out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. So that was all our best worst. Uh, should we all go dive in a little beyond the credits? Yeah. So yeah, as usual, you know, beyond the credits is where we like to theorize what happens to all these characters after the credits roll. And we can also discuss if we think this movie needs a sequel. And if so, what would happen in that sequel? Um, so Kayleen, since you picked, why don't you go first? I personally don't think it needs a sequel, especially because it's more character driven. I guess you could just follow her for more of her life, but I think this is a good story that ends and it might feel not the happiest, but it's a ending that is satisfactory for me. I personally also don't really like sequels. <laughs> Especially when there's sequels that, um, like, you make a first movie and it's, like, popular and people are like, we want a sequel. And then they go and have to rethink a sequel. Like, I'm okay if the sequel is, like, they had thought it out for, like, all three movies or however many they had intended on making. And, like, you could see the whole thing across three movies. But I'm just, like, not a big fan of sequels in general. So if you had to make a sequel for this movie, like, you were forced to write it and... Well, what would that sequel be? Um, I probably would want to follow Chihiro's child. So I don't think we would see another story about her. 
but it would be more like she's already grown up she's grown up even more she's become more of herself or whatever she is married or whatever but has a child and that child needs to kind of have that similar experience of losing innocence or becoming more or something like that and it doesn't have to she has to go to the spirit world or anything but kind of like a similar vein of growing nice right, what do you think happens to Chihiro and, and anyone else after the movie Masha hmm. I, I will say I didn't think too much about it but I do think that in the spirit world Yobaba and the sister eventually like come to terms and like get along oh. that was like my one like beyond the credits takeaway like how how she left the world yeah I think that yeah, they, they somehow they, they did all seem like a little bit less miserable than they did when she showed up yeah all right what do you got Tyler yeah I think I think it's kind of boring I think she goes and lives her life and never shares this experience with anyone because they'll check her into an institute if she does <laughs> yeah um, <laughs> and she just goes on living um in terms of a sequel, I don't think there'd be a sequel, but I'd love a prequel. I would Ooh. love to know, like, why is Yubaba, like, what is this oath where she has to give everyone who asks for work, work, and house them, and, you know, more of how the spirit bathhouse came to be, and yeah. the whole idea of why are these spirits paying money in this, like, ethereal world? <laughs> I love <laughs> like, that like, idea. Go take baths, right? Like, I'd love to learn more about that. That would be pretty cool. What about you, Andy? So, yeah, I also definitely don't think it needs a sequel. Nothing about the ending of the story makes me think we need another hour and a half of, of what happens next. But, um, yeah, to keep going, just piggybacking off things you guys have said, she definitely, I think Shihiro will be more open into her new environments and things like that. So I, I would just be mimicking what you guys said, so I pretty much agreed with all that. Um, and then if I had to make a sequel, I think I would go the the route of the movie hook where I would like to see her more as an adult where because she never could talk about these experiences as she got older, the memories faded and faded more and more to the point where she almost forgot that she ever went to this world and her impact on it. Whoa. And then somehow she would end up going back. Cause that's hook. It's Robin Williams as Peter Pan, but all grown up where he forgot that he was Peter Pan. You are a fart factory. Slug slime, sack of rat guts and cat vomit. Cheesy scab-picked, pimple-squeezing finger bandage. A week-old maggot burger with everything on it and flies on the side. So I would just kind of maybe do that where we revisit the spirit world. All the spirits remember her, but she basically became the kind of person her parents were. And so it would be a little bit of a retread, but like if I had to go sequel, I would probably do that. Because while I respect your idea for the sequel, Kaylee, and I think it would be hard to sell a sequel to a movie that takes place in the spirit world without going back to the spirit world. <laughs> Just in terms of like selling it to a studio, they'd be like, "What do you want to do?" Um, so if I had to, if I had to play ball and like you know if they were like, "You got to make one," what would you do? I think that's the I would go like kind of the idea that Steven Spielberg did with Hook. Hmm. That's cool. That's a good one. Yeah, I like that. Dang, that's deep. <laughs> I mean, I literally took a plot of a movie that exists, so I, didn't, I didn't come up with anything new. And Dustin Hoffman would be in it now. <laughs> well, with that, can I ask the question? Yeah, what are you thinking? Do you love what I love? Love it. 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 Love it.
Okay. I love it. Well, my answer is yes. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> you don't get the answer. <laughs> yeah. Kayleen's podcast. Do you love what I love, Kayleen? Yes, Kayleen, I do. <laughs> well, I didn't know if this was going to be a love what I loved episode. Yeah, oh, that's okay. true. That's true. Well, so can you confirm that is it is not a love what I loved? Yeah, I still love this movie. Cool. Um, who goes first? All right, so I guess I'll just start because I, I kind of know what I was going to say here. Okay. Just to get out of the way, yes, I do love this movie. Um, but my thought process, this is why I thought what you said in the beginning was interesting, Kayleen, where about an hour in, I wasn't sure I was going to. Um, the movie was just so crazy. And like I said, a lot of things flew over my head just from not being, having any, I've never been to Japan. I don't know much about Japanese culture or like their traditions. So it it just to me in the, like an hour in I was like this seems a little bit more like a collection of really awesome scenes and less like a connected narrative but when that ending happened I had that same feeling you had where I was just like like yeah I had like a almost like a melancholy that we were like leaving this like once I saw the effect Chihiro had on all the spirits and the way they all like waved bye to her and it just really, like, it just really stuck to me that way. And then the more I thought about it, I was like, well, yes, I don't understand a lot of the the ideas and the traditions that are going on in this. For me, it was the closest I could equate it to something that I understand is, like, the idea of spirits to Eastern culture is kind of like what we've adopted when we tell ghost stories. Where, for us, like, the idea of a ghost is always, that I've heard growing up, is that it's someone who died who has unfinished business on this earth and they can't cross over into into where whatever death means until they finish that business so if you have any regrets or you forgot to tell someone something or you've always had like that's kind of why you're stuck as a ghost and then all the spirits that she helped not, not being a spirit means you have unfinished business but it seemed like the angry spirits or the people who had like a chip on their shoulder all had a solvable problem or something that if you just listen to them and you kind of like approach them uniquely and help them with their problems that's what makes the spirits kind of like you and that's also what they explore in avatar and Korra as well because all the angry spirits mm-hmm. in that are always <laughs> someone who's mad about something so yeah once i kind of like once that clicked in my brain i was like you know what this actually it's deeper than it seems when you're first watching it and while yes a lot of it went over my head i, I kind of trust that miyazaki and the creators really put thought and either connected things to tradition or like it wasn't just they, they weren't just putting characters in because they thought that would look cool it seemed like it was a very well thought out well well put together movie and characters and uh it's also one that it's it's gonna stick in my brain as time goes on i, I know it will so yes i do love it along the same lines of that i kind of wanted to mention this earlier but like this story like animated story like i know animated stories are typically uh marketed or designed for children but i do think that this story like is for children but also like there's a story for adults it's more than that i feel like Mm -hmm. i i think it's um because i've always liked the definition of like a family movie or family entertainment to literally mean it has stuff for every member of the family no matter their age Mm -hmm. that kind of has been changed where now I feel like family movie and children's movie are interchangeable Mm -hmm. where they just be like it's a family movie because it doesn't offend anybody but I always looked at it as like something that you could enjoy whether you're an eight-year-old or you're a 20-year-old and I always equate that to like when 
like classic Simpsons where they always wrote jokes where like Homer trips and falls down and kids laugh at that. But then there was also smarter jokes that that the kids might not laugh at, but adults get. So it was it was like a family show in that sense. And so I, I kind of consider this. Yeah, it's like the traditional idea of what a family movie, in my opinion, should be. Yeah, I totally where it's like because, you know, you you know, Alvin and the Chipmunks isn't going to offend anybody, but adults aren't going to have a good time with that. They're just going to bring their kids and wait till the hour and a half is up. You know, like yeah. it's nothing for them there. So that's that's yeah, I agree with what you're saying. Tyler, do you want to go or do you? Yeah, actually, it'll be perfect because I do love what you love, and I think to the point you just made, had I watched this when it came out and I was. 10 11 12 13 in that age range or even younger than that i don't think i would have cared for it i don't think i would have really gotten a lot of i don't know a lot of the messages or really had like any care for the animation or appreciated it as much as i did now um so i'm thankful that i watched it later in my life but well, yeah i kind of i kind of agree with what you're saying there where because i did watch this as a 13 year old and while I think I might have been more saying I liked it because I like to impress my older brothers to tell them I liked cool stuff because they liked cool stuff. But if I'm being perfectly honest with myself, I don't think I loved it as a 13-year-old. I think I just yeah. like watched it and I kind of like to make myself seem smarter, I said I liked it. But this time it clicked with me a lot more. Uh, so yeah, I kind of agree with what you're saying there, Tyler. Yeah, and like I, I liked it enough that like, you know, I've seen one or two other Miyazaki films, but like I would like I want to go out and like watch the rest of his films, you know, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I agree with you there. I definitely want to seek out more of his movies from animation style to how like Kayleen, what you were saying, he has layers to these characters and his world and the meaning um, behind it. I just there just seems to be so many layers that he really like thinks through his art and his movies. I think to if there was a beyond the credits like Tyler was saying where there was a prequel that kind of explained the world more I would have loved it more but at this point I think I just really like it a lot I don't know if I can say that I love it to to that point and I, I wanted to mention it before I lost my train of thought I like for the first I don't know maybe 20-30 minutes I kept asking myself like oh why is this this way why is this that way like what's the backstory behind this and after a while I just had to be like all right like it doesn't matter I'm going along for the ride mm -hmm. and like this is it, it is what it is yeah. and once I kind of had that like revelation like I think I really started to enjoy it that much more but I mean I did like being taken away I love the surprises of you know like where is this movie going like what's What's going to happen next? I forgot which point of the movie where I was just like, what is happening? Oh, it was when No Face started eating the people who worked there. And you were like, what is this movie? <laughs> like, that caught me by surprise. And it didn't, you know, that's just how the world is and just accept it. And I thought that was really cool. But I don't know. I just can't bring myself to be like, I love this movie yet. For sure. That's fair. But I really like it. <laughs> I love the animation. That's fair. I definitely wouldn't have watched it if you didn't bring it on to this podcast so thank you kayleen oh, no <laughs> all right everyone that is our show thank you so much for listening i want to give a big thank you to our guests today kayleen and tyler this was a great experiment and i loved it if you enjoy our podcast as always please be sure to subscribe and tell a friend also if you have any opinions on what we discussed follow us on social media at lwil podcast 
It's a great place to find out what we'll be talking about next. And as always, if you have the time, please take a moment to rate and review. Every bit of feedback helps. I'm Andy. I'm Masha. I'm Tyler. And I'm Kayleen. And I hope you love what I love.